Good morning, MVCC. All right. Well, I am just jazzed. I am pumped up. I, there's a message in my heart. I can't wait to get it out. But there's just something I wanted to share with you. How many of you, when you drove in, looked at the nice parking lot that we have now, right? Isn't that great? I just got to say, number one, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for your, uh, your financial commitment, your giving really to the Lord and through the storehouse of, of the church that Jesus has given us because it enables us to make this place great. We don't want just a good church. We want a great church. We want a place where you come here, you learn about the word of God, you are pumped up, you are fired up, you are in the spirit, man, ready to go out and do the will that Jesus wants you to do every single day of life. And the people that you bring to church, here on our services or might be our preschool or events that we have during the week. We want them to feel comfortable and valued and loved. And so part of that is making our grounds look really good. I just want to say also thank you to our ministry. We have an incredible ministry team here at Mission Vale Christian to do an amazing job. So I want to say thank you to Pastor Scott the last two weeks. Good messages, man. I saw those messages. They were good. Right to the heart. Learned a lot. It was good. We got good teaching team here at MVCC. So um, thank you for that. Also um, today, just wanted to say, we so much want you, first of all, to love God, to fall in love with Jesus and to walk with him daily. And learning to do that together is how Jesus commanded us to do that. So we have a couple of things that we just want to make note of. I really want you to come to a thing called Next Steps. Next Steps is next Tuesday. There's still room. But uh, we do this uh, six-week course, seven-week course, that basically just goes over the, 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 the basics of the faith, but more than that, about how to walk daily with God together. And then we have a wonderful thing called life groups. And if you're not in a life group, we want you to really check that out and think about that, pray about that, because it's community that we really become disciples of Christ. When we get to know one another and we walk together and we lean against one another and we go through hard times together, we learn what it really means to follow Jesus Christ. And so um, you can get all that stuff on the app and our website and of course Connection Point. We have all that info. Also, we have a women's breakfast uh, this Saturday morning. Women, you got to come just connecting together and hearing the word and worshiping Jesus together. Amen. Also, we are renovating. We finally broke ground on a renovation of our children's and youth department here. We are renovating that whole thing because we want to provide more space for more children, more families, more teens here at MVCC. We are committed, we are devoted, we are loyal, we are passionate about reaching this next generation coming up. It doesn't mean that we don't care about you, it means that we also care about the ones that are coming behind us. And if we don't do a good job of reaching those that are coming up behind us and passing the baton on, Christianity might just fade away here in Mission Viejo. And I don't believe that's God's will. God wants a passionate church. He wants a passionate community of people that are willing to live for Jesus, come hell or high water, no matter what happens. We are following Jesus. We are going to dig in even when it's difficult. So today we're going to be talking out of Luke. We're going to be teaching out of Luke chapter 12, verses 1 to 12, called the hard truth. You ready for the hard truth today? I hope so. That was a really weak amen. Come on. Amen. Thank you, sister. When our kids were little, uh, we little ones growing up, uh, my wife and I were, I'll be honest with you, we were uh, a little bit afraid 
the fact that they were going to be growing up in the church. And what I mean by that is every Sunday we just go to service. We go to Awanas. We go to youth ministry. We, we wanted our kids to have a culture and a community to grow up in where they really understand who Jesus is. But the danger of that is that it becomes so common to them every single Sunday that we didn't want Jesus to become just kind of like a household word to them. We wanted them to have a real faith, a passionate faith that lives out in their own life. And so as you know, if you're a parent, that's, that's a very challenging thing. And so um, my wife is such a, she's such a, um, I call her the research queen. She just research, researches everything before we buy everything, before we do anything. She researches it all. And one of the things that she, she wanted to do with this research about our kids and forwarding, looking at the future of their life. So she put together this journal about milestones that were happening in their life as they were growing up, even as teens. And so um, we thought about when we want to give this journal to them. And now I know what I want to do because they're both engaged and going to be married. I'm going to give it to their fiancés. This is what you're getting into, right? This is what's going to be happening. And all those little milestones in their life, my wife recorded all those. She's so good at this. And when I was looking through that a few months ago, I was reminded once again that I don't want to make an easy road for my kids. I I don't want to make it so easy that they miss opportunities to struggle, to try and figure things out, to maybe hit the wall a few times and figure out the hard truth. Am I really going to follow Jesus? Am I really going to choose Jesus deep in my own heart? Not because my parents want me to or because it's the right thing to do, because I want to follow Jesus more than anything else and I own that faith. And the hard truth of that is sometimes difficult times will come. So in that journal, we have some of the difficulties that came their way, like when my wife got breast cancer and how they handled that and how they were reacting to that. When my son signed up for uh, football at Mission High School his freshman year, he wanted, Dad, I want to play football. And I, I, in, inside of me, I was like, good, that's great. And on the uh, other part of me was like, but you're so short. You're so little. You'll not make it. So um, I actually went to the coach. He didn't know this. I hope he's not listening to this. But anyway, I'm just going to say it. I went to the coach over at Mission High School. And I said, now, my son Michael is his first year. There's about 90 kids. You know, they don't cut you on the freshman team. They, they let you play. So I said, this is the first time playing football. I want you to be hard on him. I asked the coach, be hard on him. Not, not really hard, but I want you to be extra hard on him because I want him to try and figure things out. Do I really want to do this? And sometimes opposition and difficulty sets you apart to make a decision. This is what I really want to do. The disciples were in a place, we're going to see here in just a moment, that they were in a tough spot against some opposition That was against Jesus. Now we're going to look at a text here. I didn't realize this. You know, some verses you just kind of pass over because they're so familiar. There are thousands of people around Jesus in this moment. It says thousands. We don't know how many thousands, but that's a lot of people. And Jesus turns right to his disciples in the middle of these that are attacking Jesus and entrapping him and trying to catch him in some type of lie or falsehood, trying to do anything they could to trip him up. He turns to his disciples and he begins to teach them. So let's, re- let's read this text together. And then I want to get into what I believe God has for us. You ready? All right. Meanwhile, the crowds grew until thousands. Somebody say thousands. thousands. There, oh, I like that. You're with me this morning. I love it. We're milling about and stepping on each other. Just see the scene. People coming from everywhere. And Jesus turned first to his disciples and warned them. Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees, their hypocrisy. 
The time is coming when everything is covered up and will be revealed. And all that is in secret will be made known to all. But whatever you have said in the dark will be made light, will be heard in the light. And what you have whispered behind closed doors will be shouted from the housetops for all to hear. Dear friends, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot do any more to you after that. But I'll tell you whom you should fear. Fear God, who has the power to kill you and then throw you into hell. Yes, he's the one to fear. So what's the price of five sparrows, two copper coins? Yet God does not forget a single one of them. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. And I tell you the truth, the hard truth. Everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, the Son of Man will also acknowledge in the presence of God's angels. But anyone who denies me here on earth will be denied before, my, before God's angels. And anyone who speaks against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But anyone who blasphemes the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. And when you are brought to trial in the synagogues and before rulers and authorities, don't worry about how to defend yourself or what to say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what needs to be said. Jesus gets into it right here. I want to just kind of overview this because there's a lot in this text. And when I was preparing this and studying this and crafting this message, I don't want to miss anything, but there is something I wanted to speak out of this. But there are about six things going on here. One is this, watch out for hypocrites. Watch out for them. Even the smallest of someone's heart being wrong before the Lord and they may appear to be Praise God, brother. Love Jesus. I'm just here to support the ball club. I'm here to support the ministry. But on the inside, they're living one life. And on the outside, they're living another life. Be careful of those folks. Watch out for them. Second thing is nobody gets away with anything. God sees everything. God knows everything. The third thing is don't worry about them. Don't fear someone that can bring destruction to your body. I want to tell you one that you should fear. And when we're talking about fear in the scripture, we're not talking about being afraid of God. We're talking about having a holy reverence for God, a respect and awe. He's my God. I'm his child. And I'm going to do what he wants me to do. That kind of respect and awe that God wants us to have. He said, I want you to take a stand for God. You will be persecuted. There will be opposition. And the Holy Spirit will give you what you need in that moment. You know what I love about God's word is there are layers. What I mean by that is we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, four gospels. This one, obviously, the gospel of Luke. This is also mentioned in the other gospels, John and Mark. And in these gospels, we get a different perspective. It's like um, if we were going to serve chocolate cake, which, by the way, we're going to have shave ice here after service on a hot day, so you can enjoy that with uh, your kids. We want you to do that right after service. Amen. Yes, shave ice, right? But there are different layers. If I was to ask you different layers of the chocolate cake that you'd want, do you want one or seven? You would say, of course, I want seven. Because when you have seven layers, it tastes so much better. It's delectable. It's more enjoyable. There's more to it. And in the same way, God gave us a seven-layer cake so we can understand a better perspective of what's going on here. The fact of the matter is there will be hypocrites. There will always be somebody in the church and around Christianity that has 
Oh, I just love you, brother. You're the best thing ever. And on the other side of the coin, there's hate, there's strife, there's almost a conniving, there's almost an undercurrent of what they can try and do to destroy or tempt to destroy the ministry or God's church. I love the way Jesus in the synoptic gospels and other references, he uses a word like dear friends, little flock. Ten times, ten times in this section, the word fear is used. So we don't want to be afraid of talking about what fear is, but I want you to know that the scripture talks about what healthy fear is and unhealthy fear is. Five times he says, do not be afraid. So I think in this moment, as thousands of people are standing, it says they were trampling over, tripping over one another. Thousands of people around. He turns to the 12, and I think there were some other true disciples who were really following him from the heart. And it might have been, I don't know, maybe 50, 60 people. And that's where Jesus begins to teach. I want you to see these people. We're not going to pretend that they're not there. We're not going to pretend that they are there. We're going to get it out in the open, but I want you to be very careful. I want you to be aware because there are people that will come in and try and destroy and you must be discerning. You must be aware. If you own a business, if you have a family, if you have a friendship, if you have something that's very dear to your heart, the enemy would want to destroy that. He would want to bring division. He would want to discredit. He would try to divide and conquer. That's his MO, man. All he wants to do is disunify. And the church is not foreign to that. We have got to make a decision as a family, as a community of people. We will not let the enemy come in and divide us and destroy us. And that means we must stay vigilant on the word of God, standing on what he said, and keep a healthy fear of who God is. God is a loving, compassionate, passionate God who has a loving plan for your life. And he wants you to step into that plan. He wants you to step into the will of God. One of the worst ways to live Christianity is one foot in the world and one foot in the church. One foot in the world and one foot Jesus because you can't have total fun in all the worldly stuff because you're, you know what you're doing is wrong, but you can't come in and, oh, I just love God, want to serve God, want to do everything you want me to do, Jesus. Holy Spirit, flow through my life. God, just use me as a conduit. Use me as a vessel, Lord, to bring your love to people who don't know your love. We can't live in both those camps. You got to make a choice. You got to decide. What are you going to do? And the hard truth is you cannot have one foot in one world and one foot in another. And that's what Jesus is addressing. One of the reasons I think Christianity is not as powerful as we want it to be in America is because I think, and it starts with the pastors, it always begins with the leaders. The leaders have to look at themselves first. But when we live a half-mediocre, milk-toast kind of spineless kind of ministry where we're not standing on truth and we're not living, most importantly, living the truth, living like Jesus, where ministry becomes a job or my Christian faith becomes work or I have to do it or I should do it. It becomes stale and moldy. And that's why the world would say, why would I come to your church? Why would I follow the God that you follow? It's the same life I'm living. You're living the same life I'm living. Why would I become a Christian? That's why this is so important and so powerful. I want to camp on this for a moment because it's so vital. It's so important that you and I have an understanding of what fear is. Don't fear when someone comes against you, against your faith. Do not fear that. In fact, that should strengthen your faith because you know God. You know who he is. You have him in your heart. 
It's so important that we make a decision today. If you're a follower of Christ, and if today maybe you're just kind of visiting or checking it out, or you've got to go back to church, or I want to rekindle my faith, I want you to know more than anything else, God knew that you would be here. I believe it's by no accident. He crafted you. He wanted you to be here because he wants you to know he is on a hot pursuit for your life. He is passionate about you, and he wants you to be passionate about him. But it requires of us, once we step into Christ, that we step into being a disciple of his, that we become a follower. And sometimes that's not easy because we got to make decisions that are contrary to what the world says or contrary to the way we used to live. But that's where the greatest joy comes. When you're fully in with Jesus and you just trust him and you make that decision and say, God, I am completely 100% in you, Lord. I will do whatever you want. That is the best place to be. And sometimes difficult times in opposition bring us to that place. There will be hypocrites. No one gets away with anything. Fear God. Take a stand for God. You will receive opposition if you're really living for Christ. And the Holy Spirit will give you what you need in that moment of opposition. So I have a number one question for us today, including myself. Do you fear God more than anything? Do you fear God more than anyone else? And again, I want to say once again in context that that fear he's talking about is a reverence and awe. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. When I have a healthy respect for God that he loves me, he cares for me, he's God. I don't want to cross the line of of sin or wrongdoing. God, I want to be in your will. I respect who you are, God. You are the one true mighty God. There is no one like you, God. That is what he's talking about. Do you fear God more than anyone? That question right there must be answered today. There is no, well, I don't know. I'm thinking about it. Well, maybe I'm deciding. I got to decide later. I got to pray about it. No, I want you to decide now. Like we teach our kids. Sex before marriage is not God's plan. He loves sex. He created sex for you. He wants you to enjoy that in marriage. So you have to make a decision now before you start courting and dating and hanging out with the one that you think you're going to spend the rest of your life with. You got to make sure that you make that decision together now with the Lord. You can't wait till you're in the backseat of the car and say, we couldn't just help ourselves." Oh, got real quiet now, didn't it? (laughs) It's the hard truth, isn't it? It's the hard truth. When we do mess up, and sometimes when we do make a mistake in this area, we cross the line and sin. God is so quick to forgive and restore, but we want to stay away from that. How did I get off on that? Oh, because God wants us to fear him more than anyone else. And we got to make a choice. When, when, I, when I stepped into the position 21 years ago here, I was the youth pastor here, if you're visiting with us. I was the youth pastor working with junior high, high school, and college age. And then my pastor retired a couple of years later, and they said, well, give Mike a chance to do it. So they stepped out in faith and asked if I would step in. I was so excited, man. I was like, God, this is such a cool opportunity. This is my home church. I got baptized here. I found the Lord here. This is like a dream come true. I love this place. I love MVCC. God, you're going to do a great work. Little did I know that some of the board meetings that we had And I knew some of these folks for years. I didn't understand that there was a small coup that was starting about some that really didn't want me to be the pastor here. And so unfortunately, through a painful process of finding out, you know when you know somebody's coming against you? You know when someone's conniving and they are are scheming to do something against you? It's hurtful. It hurts hard. Uh, I, I, I... it, it's hard. 
It is hard. These are people, and you've probably been there. I know that you've been there. You trust someone. You give your heart. You tell them your, your, your passions, your desires, you want, what you want to see happen here in a company or with your family or relationships or church work or whatever it might be. And, and if somebody steps on that and they hold you captive to that and twist your words, and that is the worst ever. And I remember going through some of the difficult times that first year of ministry, and I remember sitting in one of the board meetings, and there was some screaming and yelling, not on my part, on some other folks' part, slamming a book down, walking out of the room, looking into my eyes and saying, I can't believe one person could screw this whole thing up. I couldn't believe we were talking that way as believers. And I just, I just that stuff doesn't go on now. It's not going to go on now. What I, mean, what I wanted to say about that is that was so hurtful to me. And I remember walking out of that room thinking, I didn't sign up for this. I'm out. I thought everybody would get behind the vision. I thought everyone would get behind the pastor. I thought everyone would want to see the work of God flourish and evangelism and discipleship and all these things. I didn't know that this is the way some Christians operated. Are you kidding me? I'm out. Had my resignation letter written three times. I even said in one, I think I mentioned this a few months ago, I even, you know, I'll just go teach tennis in Newport Beach. I don't need this stuff because I, I can make a whole lot more money working in Newport Beach, teaching tennis, you know, to all the rich people down there. We can just do that. I look back on that experience. I thank God for people that came against me. I do. I really do. I do. Because what it did is it caused me to look at myself. It's so easy to start pointing the finger at everyone else. They did this. They came against me. They opposed me. They're the blame. And we just blame and we're so quick to point the finger at others. That's exactly what Jesus was warning against. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law in that context were pointing the finger at everybody else, but they weren't looking at themselves. That's why Jesus said, we're going to look at it in a few chapters later in Luke 13. Jesus said to the Pharisees, unless you repent... Unless you get on your knees and ask me to forgive you, you won't make it to heaven. Don't think you're going to make it to heaven because you carry around all the scriptures, because you know all the verses, because you have the highest place in the synagogue, because your grandfather and their great-grandfather built the synagogue, and you're the, the, the leader of this house. Don't be thinking you're going to make it to heaven. It's only by grace that we're saved, man. And when someone understands their bankruptcy before God, I understood in that moment when those, some of those folks came against me, and it took me years to get to a place to thank God for those that hate me because of then that I understood I'm not all that I'm not all I, God can take me out in a second and the church will still go on I mean the reality is we're all going to die one day right the reality is we're all going to be dead our, our physical body be dead they're going to put you in a pine box they're going to put you in a hole they're going to come back to the church eat some potato salad talk about stories about you and life is going to go on people are going to go back to work on Monday right that's the reality some of us here are thinking, yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm with you. I want to live for Christ full on. I don't want to play the hypocritical life. I don't want to live a halfway life for Jesus. But, you know, I'm 30 years old. I got lots of time. Think about this. You're 30 years old. If you died at 40, you're old. If you're 50 and you think, gosh, I'm getting old. If you live to 90, 95, 100, you're young. My point is this. Time is now. The urgency is now. Don't wait don't wait around. Well, someday I'll get to Jesus and really commit my life when I'm on my deathbed. We may never get a deathbed experience. We could leave here today and something tragically happen. I don't know if you heard about Anne Heisch. 
who had this terrible car accident in Los Angeles. She, she later found out that she was on cocaine and she smashed into a house. It was just a horrible, horrific accident. Well, I had just you know, been listening over the past few days. Just, I was just praying for her. God, send like a chaplain in there. Send a Christian in there just to, to give her the gospel. And then I heard that yesterday they had to take her off life support. I, was, I just felt like, gosh, God, I feel like maybe I should have drove down to the hospital and asked, you know, I'm, I'm a pastor. Could I just go in and pray with Anne and just, just whisper into her heart, Anne, do you know Jesus? I want you can accept Jesus right now. It's okay. It's okay. The time is now. The urgency is now to live for him, to totally surrender everything to him. Amen. Next question I have for us is, do you know you're valuable to God right now? In this text, Jesus turns to his disciples, yes, to give some teaching, yes, for them to understand, but I think he wanted, he wanted them to so understand this moment that you, everybody is valuable to me, but in this moment, I want you to understand what's happening over here. You are valuable to me. When I first got saved, I was just weeks into my relationship with Jesus, man. I was like, Jesus, you're the best thing that's ever happened to me. You changed my whole life. My whole life is transformed from the inside out. And I started thinking about my friends on the tennis team and people I went to school with at Capo High School. I was like, gosh, I want them to know the Lord. I, I want them to meet Jesus. I want them to meet you, Lord. I started feeling guilty about that. Went to my youth pastor who was always so patient with me and just discipled me. And he says, you know what? If you were the only person on earth, Jesus still would have come down and died for you. That put everything into perspective for me that I want you to know today, wherever you are, in the midst of hypocritical living or running away from God, or you're totally on fire for God or not sure about all this stuff. And I'm not even sure if I believe in the Bible. You are valuable to him. So valuable that he laid himself down on a cross. He died. He didn't just tell us that he loved us. He laid, think about this. He traded his life for your life. I'd be dead without him. I wouldn't even be here. He knows, he knows you are valuable to him. He knows that you one day you want to be married. He knows that. He knows that you want to finish the degree. He knows that someday your, 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 your desire is to have children. He knows the job that you want. He knows the deep recesses in your heart, the deep things of God that that you don't tell anyone else, only God. He knows those things. I'm so glad for that. Question number three is this. Do you trust God with everything you'll need? Do you trust him with everything you need? Because that's really what he's saying here in this text. You're gonna have opposition. They're gonna, they're gonna, the context of this is to the disciples is they're gonna drag you into the synagogue, the religious place, and they're gonna grill you. They're, they're, they're gonna hand you over to the magistrates. They're gonna whip you. They're gonna beat you. They're gonna torture you on account of my name. Don't worry. Don't fear. First of all, remember, don't fear. Second is don't worry about what you're gonna say. I'm gonna give you everything you need. I, I, I remember sitting in this room. I'm so glad that God gave us a way to renovate this room because sometimes you just need a fresh perspective, don't you? You just need a fresh air of, of newness. But back in the day, I remember during that difficult time 20 years ago, they called a church town hall meeting. When I was so young as a pastor, I didn't know that there is no town hall meetings in the Bible. You don't have town hall meetings. But I didn't know that. I'm like, oh, okay, we'll have a town hall meeting. And in the microphone that was set up, and I was sitting up here with the leadership team, people were coming up to the microphone, and they were 
attacking some of the leaders and me personally in front of everybody. And I remember sitting, gripping my hands like this on someone that had said something and when they said, I wasn't even there. And I wanted to stand up and say, I wasn't even there. But God just kept saying, Mark 14, 61 and 62. When he was standing before, do you remember Pilate? Jesus remained silent and gave no answer. Sometimes you just rest in the hard truth. You don't need to defend yourself. Sometimes the Holy Spirit in a moment of confrontation or an argument with your spouse or haranguing with your kids or grandkids or your ex or there's a problem at the business or something going on and sometimes less said is better. Sometimes it's better to stand on your convictions. Stand on what you know is true. Sometimes God will give you what you need to say and sometimes God will give you that silence. And here's, here's, we can do everything we can to prepare. Man, I'm coming to Next Steps. I'm in a life group. We're in weekly Bible study. I'm having my devotional time, coming to worship on Sundays. Man, I am in the spirit, sharing with my friends about Jesus, inviting people. Man, I am so just in tune with you, God. But in those moments of opposition, sometimes we can get rattled. Sometimes we can get shaken up. I, I, I read something this week from a historian named Eusebius during the time of Nero, during the first century, when he was actually a figure that was trying to annihilate Christianity. He was so evil, so vile, so oppositional against Christianity that he wanted to annihilate every Christian and every church that existed in the region. He actually had his, his goal was world domination. And so he was the one that started, Christians would be thrown into a arena and lions would be set out, set free to devour the Christians. Eusebius happened to be observing one of these horrific, these, the, the, the moments where Christians were getting eaten alive. And as he observed what was happening, the Christians would huddle together in a small circle ever so tightly. And they would, they would, they would grasp one another by shoulders and arms and hands like this. And, and, and rightly so, shaken and afraid. And just in moments, any one of them could have been devoured by a lion. What he noticed is that one Christian, when the lion was set free into that arena, one Christian would give themselves up and surrender and turn so that the others might be saved. He looked at that experience and the words that he wrote down were, look and see how they sacrifice and love one another. The reason that I bring that up is because God will give us what we need when we need it. And he will guide us in that moment. But it's in community that we find that. There, there's no island. There is no, I'm just going to follow Jesus by myself. Jesus had a life group. He had a small group of 12 guys. And they banded together as brothers. They spent three years together. Did everything together. Jesus poured out his heart. He taught them. He showed them miracles. And they said, now I want you to go and do this. And in the same fashion, the same way, we are to follow the very same example that Jesus gave us. That's why community is so important. Because there will be opposition and we've got to have brothers and sisters to lean on, to press into. Will you pray for me? I'm having a really tough day. I'm having a really tough time against you know, temptation or this person's coming against or the business isn't working out or this relationship went south. or we just Things aren't the way that they used to be and I'm really having a tough time. We need people, not for gossip, but I'm just struggling and I need your help. Now he goes into some very strong teaching here. I wasn't avoiding it, just waiting to get to it because other things that I wanted us to get this morning is 
he made it very, very clear that if we blaspheme the Holy Spirit, that is unforgivable. There's only in Scripture one unforgivable sin, and we just came across it. What did Jesus really mean by that? We have to look at the context that he was speaking to Jews and to Gentile people. The Jews had an understanding that God created the heavens. He created the world as we know it. That he raised up prophets. That he raised up men like King David and Abraham and these men and women that he raised up in the Old Testament period. There was a small understanding of what the Holy Spirit is in the Old Testament, but it wasn't fully made known. It wasn't clear because the Holy Spirit didn't indwell every single God follower in the Old Testament period. So they didn't really understand what Jesus is saying here very, very clearly is that Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Trinity are one God. They're not three different gods. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. That's all in Scripture. It's all throughout the New Testament, over and over and over and over again. John chapter 8, John chapter 1, it's all over there. Jesus is definitely God. He's not little g God. He is God in flesh, as the Holy Spirit is. So when Jesus left and went to heaven after he died and rose again, spent 40 days on earth, and then ascended into heaven in Acts chapter 1, he said to the disciples, go to Jerusalem and wait. I will bring you the gift that I have promised you. He also said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I'm going to send my Holy Spirit in you. That is me. That is God in in you. I am sending the Holy Spirit to empower you to live the Christian life, to do my will, to do what I told you to do. So following me, stay with me here. That's why he says, you cannot just say, well, I believe in Jesus, but I don't believe in Father. I don't believe in, 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 in the Holy Spirit. They're all one God. And so what he's saying is you have to take the whole ball of wax. You must trust and believe in one true God. If you only believe in God the Father, don't believe in the Messiah. If you don't believe in the Holy Spirit, you can't cross over to knowing God. That's what he's saying. You cannot be forgiven. That's the, we cannot be forgiven unless we come to Christ, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus is the one who laid down his life in the flesh so that we could live And now he says, if you don't receive me as Lord and Savior, you're going to be lost. And God didn't say that to threaten us. He was saying that because he wanted us to cross over and to ask for forgiveness and be a part of his family. Does that make sense? It makes so much sense to me. I don't know for years there's been all kinds of things written about the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit and what did Jesus really mean. But when we look in context, it makes so much sense. A total rejection of God, who he is, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We cannot have relationship with God. We must believe. We must have faith in who Jesus is. This leads us to the last three things I just want to say. What do we, what do we, what do, we do out of all this? So I understand what he's saying. Watch out for hypocrites. Don't become one. Know that there's going to be opposition. Know that they are going to come against you and against your faith. But stand strong. Don't fear what people do to you. You fear what God can do. You fear God. Respect and awe for him. So where does this lead us? Number one in your outline, if you're looking at the seat back in front of you, possess your own faith with passion. We need passion in the church. And I don't mean emotional excitement. I mean, passion for living the way Jesus called us to live. That means being obedient to the will of God, even though I really don't want to do it in this moment. And we've all had those moments. Can we just be real? We've all had moments where we really wanted to cross over and and step into that sinful behavior or go back to the old life because it brought some quick comfort. It was a quick fix. And God is saying the real mark of a disciple is I will do, God, what you want me to do, regardless of how I feel about it. I will trust you at any cost. That's when faith comes. When we step out and say, God, I will trust you in this moment. That's where the passion comes for living for Jesus. 
One of the things that we wrote, my wife wrote down in the journal about our kids is we wanted to have our kids have moments in life, not all the time, but moments of being uncomfortable in their faith. If we do not provide as parents a, a way for our kids to, to grab onto Jesus, and that's the only thing they have. That's why we, we literally took our kids on missions trips to Mexico and Africa and spent two weeks there because I remember my son, my oldest son, Michael, as we got out of a VW van, old beat up VW van, and the kids from the village started running and we had this one loaf of bread and my son just in that moment happened, it was about 20 of us, he was the one that had the loaf of bread in his hand and these kids came up and just tears in their eyes like it was gold. I'll never forget my son's face. I will never forget that moment. That's where Jesus is found. That's where he's found. In those difficult moments as I saw him turn around, go to the other side of the van and just weep because of this moment. Because in Mission Viejo, he could go down to Ralph's grocery store. He could go down to CV. He could go down and buy whatever he needs. But these kids had nothing. And yet Jesus was so present in that moment. That's when faith becomes passionate. Getting out of our comfort zone and doing the will of God. All right, second is this. To proclaim the good news to others. I think that's exactly where Jesus was going with this, man. Don't worry about those who say hypocrites. There will always be that term there will always be that coming against there will always be that opposition you just keep doing what you're doing keep inviting keep sharing i'm amazed every sunday we have maybe four or five guests that come families that come to mvcc and we want so much for everyone to know that they are cherished and valued individually try to do our very best to let people know we're really glad that you're here we wanted to come from the heart but i will tell you this every time you bring somebody i'm like yes that's what it's all about bringing somebody to faith you never know just by bringing somebody here man the parking lot looks so nice now you walk up and it's just we hear really good christian music and there's crispy creams out here the music's awesome wasn't the worship awesome today worship is awesome people are loving it's organized around here i can find my way preachings eh. but man we just love the church i'm gonna give my life to jesus christ and it started with an invitation from you they saw something in your life missionville christian church people mvcc whatever whatever they call us out there i want them to see jesus in you so much so that they, yeah you know what i'll come to your church I'll visit one of your services. You may help somebody to cross over eternity just because you trusted, you loved them, you served them, and you invited them. Number three is this, persevere. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. Times are going to get tough. Revelation tells us it's going to get worse before it gets better. We can even see with the pandemic and just this global division and everything that's even in our country, we have never been more divided in our country than we've ever been before. There's so much hate and, and, and evil and, and calling good evil and evil good. I mean, we're seeing it right before our eyes, aren't we? And it's only going to get worse. You stay strong. Stay vigilant. Revelation 2.10. Do not be afraid of what you're about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you. But be faithful even to the point of death. Be faithful no matter how hard it gets. That's the hard truth. But that's the real truth, isn't it? Choose. Choose wisely who you will serve. I saw something I'm going to show you just in closing today that just want to wrap this whole message up and what I think Jesus is saying by, you know, it's easy to say, but it's sometimes more difficult to do, isn't it? And when we step out and we obey Jesus, which is what he's calling us to do, something happens in our world where they so desperately need to see a real life believer. 
This video I want to show you went viral. You might have seen it. It's a, it's a, it's a uh, short video. It's about a minute long. Stay with me in this. It's, it's uh, recorded at a Little League baseball game. No one got hurt here. So I just want to make that clear. But what I want you to stay with the video about a minute is watch to the very end the response of the one that was in a really tough situation. Let's watch, watch the video. Oh, look out. Oh, my gosh. That's awesome. Wow, that is a tough kid right there. This is really cool because as a pitcher, Bubs looks shaken up right now because of what he did. And look at Zay Jarvis. This is such great sportsmanship. He wants him to know that it's okay, that he'll be fine. Hey, Bob. Look at me. Look at me. You're all right. Amazing. You're all right. Look at me. Look, look. What a stud right there. Zay Jarvis. That, to me, is what Jesus is talking about. Being a Christian and doing what he said. God, I just thank you for the sometimes most complex of situations, God, that sometimes we walk through in life. God, you always provide the simple answer. It's loving people. Dispelling all of those things that say out there that Christians are just hypocrites. There was one, one person, you, God, that was willing to go to those that were the outcast. Stand for the hard truth. And yet with compassion and love, God, you showed us the way. I just pray, God, for us here as a family at MVCC, that, God, you would help us, help us and. God, what we've learned from your words, to above all else, God, to fear you in a healthy way, God, that we live out the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. So in this last few moments of the service, we just want to provide an opportunity for you to really just spend some quiet time with, with him, with God. And so that's why... Um, seat back in front of you there's a small communion cup with an element there there's some juice and then there's a wafer there for you just to take a moment to remember what Jesus did when he laid himself down on that cross and died and surrendered everything so God we just thank you for something physical that reminds us of something spiritual we thank you God for your death and God most of all your resurrection that gives us hope so God, I pray even in this moment, speak to your people, Lord. Speak to us in only ways that you can. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us at Mission Vale Christian Church. 
Just know that we always have live services here every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. We'd love to have you here, and we'll see you next time.